This episode of the Beaver Tales podcast features a former basketball player at Oregon State. Fun fact, a North American Beaver's favorite defensive scheme is the 2-3 zone. Now you know just a little bit more about Beavers. To learn more, here's Josh Wharton. Oh, you learn about basketball. All right. Thanks for joining me on the Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Ward, and we're talking with Langston Morris Walker today. Every episode, if this is your first time tuning in, we talk with a former Oregon State athlete and reminisce about their time at OSU and talk about their life since then, the life lessons they have cultivated. And I think Langston will be a good conversation. I started covering the Oregon State men's basketball team when I was the beat reporter for the Barometer newspaper back in 2013. That was the final year of the Craig Robinson era. It also happened to be when Langston Morris Walker was a sophomore, he ended up playing four years at Oregon State, two of them for Craig and two for Wayne Tinkle. So Langston played from 2012 to 2016. We talk all about his memories of the two coaches, the 2015 season in particular when OSU had seven walk-ons yet still won 15 home games to set a program record. Langston also made a key basket in the upset of number 7 Arizona in that season. He made a layup in the final stages of that game, one of the greatest Oregon State wins of the past few decades, honestly. And Langston was a key player down the stretch and hit the game-winning bucket, so I asked him about that as well. But we go the other way, too, like how did Oregon State lose to Western Oregon, a D2 program, as the first game of that season in exhibition contest. We also talk about his adoption story, how he came to grow up in Berkeley, California, and what he's done since then, crossing paths with former teammate Charlie Barton's dad while playing in Sweden. Langston was also a model in the sports video game 2K14. So if you're not familiar with 2K, it might not make sense as we're talking about it, but just so you know, when Langston talks about modeling for the 2K franchise, which is a well-known video game where they make a new game every year based on the NBA, they need players or just anybody to come in and put on a suit that has motion capture principles. So they're filming Langston, for example, move around on the basketball court and take shots and do celebrations, attempt layups, practice defense, all the things you see the character in the game do because they model those video game characters after real people. They use real players and then put that in the video game for the graphics and the animation. So Langston is one of those guys that has been in the motion capture process for NBA 2K. And so you hear him talk about what that experience was like. He now works for Adidas and branding, where he builds relationships with AAU and high school players. Part of his job is trying to get those players familiar with Adidas. So with When they make it big, they might sign with Adidas and not a different brand. So that's an interesting little part of Langston's story these days. He wanted to give a shout-out to Cafe Agora. I like to give a free shout-out to a different business in the area that could use some free advertising, and Langston's familiar with Cafe Agora. I believe they're down in Eugene now. So sure, they're in duck territory, but I believe it's a beaver-started franchise. So if you're ever down in Eugene and want to support Oregon State, you can look them up. They're a food truck down uh, down south, 40 miles from, from Corvallis, down I-5. So Cafe Agora, you can check that one out. And also, if you want to stretch your money a little bit and look outwards during a crazy time during this pandemic and want to help other people, not just yourself, I would suggest Convoy of Hope being a really fantastic charity that can help a lot of people in America and abroad, helping uh, children get education, helping people serve 10 million meals during uh, this pandemic right here in America. 
and your dollar will go a lot further with Convoy of Hope than it will most other places. This is the Beaver Tales podcast. Sit back and enjoy this conversation with Oregon State men's basketball player Langston Morris Walker. Langston, it's good to see you. How's life treating you these days? What's the quarantine been like? Life's good, man. I mean, uh, man, I'm, I'm healthy. All my family's healthy and starting to enjoy this quarantine. Even though I know it's crazy and mayhem going on right now, but uh, I, I can't complain, to be honest. I want to get all into what you're doing with Adidas and your job now. I don't even know what that job looks like, so I'll ask about that. Yeah. But let me go back to January 11th, 2015. Is the Arizona game and upsetting them in Guild Coliseum, is that your best memory in Corvallis? I don't know if it's my best memory in Corvallis, <laughs> but, but a basketball memory probably, uh, I'm sure, like, yeah, for sure. It's one of, it's one of the best games I've played. It was, it was a game that I knew I wanted to definitely make a mark, and it was a, it was a game that I, just, I, don't, I was just recently watching that probably maybe a year ago, and it just seemed like everything was just going our way like that game. And I mean, from the first point of the game to the end, and uh, you know, Arizona was tough. You know, I, I keep in contact with a lot of those Arizona. Matter of fact, me and Stanley, Stanley Johnson, we play a lot of uh, a lot of Fortnite and and uh, NBA 2K. So I always bring that up. But um, other than that, no, and that was for sure my best my best memory. Are the other memories from Corvallis more off the court stuff, or what? What would be your best memories in Corvallis if that isn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean, I've I've had a bunch of good memories. You know at Oregon State, but yeah, they were off the court stuff and I don't necessarily, I can't really pinpoint it. I just had such a good time there that like, I just know I've had a bunch of, of good stuff happening to me and Corvallis is really good to me. What sort of stuff outside of basketball did develop in your life? Was it the relationships with teammates or fellow students or the academic stuff you got to do or just mm -hmm. other things you got into in Corvallis? But what else really made your experience living in Corvallis and going to school there a fun one? Yeah, I mean, with just being in Corvallis, that was my first time leaving the house, and that was my first time leaving the Bay Area, and uh, so this was just kind of, I was really on my own, and just the people there, this this fellow, like, our fraternity of being student-athletes were all great, and I've had a bunch of just, just great people, and even just, like, meeting guys like you, you know, just people that are, you're from Corvallis, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, so guys from Corvallis, and you know, it was just kind of just it was it was it was definitely a dream being in a in a college town like that, and you kind of knew most of most of the people, and it was just a, it was just a great experience just being able to just go into class and seeing the same people every day and training and everything like that. It was it was a great experience, especially just the school wise stuff. Let me go back to 2015. This is Wayne Tinkle's first year. This is your junior season. Western Oregon was the first game in his exhibition. How did you lose to a D2 team? Well, and then you beat into the number seven team in the country. D2 team, didn't we? Oh, man. We had three scholarships left. Coach wanted to tuck the scholarships for a, for a big-time recruiting class, the one that we just seen this past year with Stevie and Trace and everything. So it was me, Gary Payton, the second, who I – Hadn't played a college game before. I was leading score coming back, I think scoring four points from our last team. So it was me starting at the three, GP at the two. GP was, and I think, I don't know, it was it was Malcolm maybe at the one. And we are just a bad team at the time. And so we went through the summer and we, was, we had a new coach who was just 
preaching defense. We're like, what the heck? Why are we playing defense? You know? And we had a bunch of just we had a bunch of like older guys, like junior guys, who were all solid. We had solid size. We could have been defense. We were a great defensive team. So coach was like, you know, we're gonna play defense. And so the first game, I think it was an exhibition game, we go and play Western Oregon, a tough Western Oregon team. And I know it sounds weird, but they were tough. I think they won state that year of D2 or something like that. And they were a great team. What happened was is we went through the summer and we were just kind of – we just didn't buy into Coach Tinkle. So we came in. We wanted to do it our way. That team, this was their Super Bowl. This was our, like, wow, we really got to play this Division Two team. We don't know. We're not looking at scout or anything. And they just take it to us. And it was probably the – it was the best thing that could have happened to our team because we got our – we got beat. Wait, wait, we lost that game officially, right? Yeah. I don't know. Remember. By double okay. digits. We lost. Hey, they were they were a great team, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, they're the best D2 team I've ever seen in my life. They just gave it to us. We get back to the locker room after that, and we're like, okay, coach, we're going to listen. Like, you know, we come back. I think we had a, a week or something just to prepare, and we kind of bought in, and we kind of – and we're like, yeah, okay, we can – this can either go either way. We're going to basically – we're going to buy in, and we're going to do what we want and, and, and win some games, or we're just going to just do it, do, do it our way and everybody try to get their stats. You know, and it was definitely weird. I mean, GP hadn't solidified himself as a player. I don't think GP knew how good he was. We didn't think GP was that good. I mean, GP was okay, like, but GP, he's not a – he's a great example of just being a gamer. If you watch GP in practice, if you watch GP – workout he's like he's he's decent but he's just like he can't shoot it extremely well he doesn't have the greatest handle it's if it's workouts you're not just going you're not dunking in workouts you know what I mean so it's just basically okay he can jump a little bit and so the whole summer was just us seeing a very average GP and he wasn't confident in himself either He, he didn't know how good he was so that happened and then we ended up just going through that week of practice it was a crazy week of practice but we just we just dug deep and started listening and, and, and bought in. And then we ended up probably had, that was my favorite season uh, as, as, as a beef, to be honest, because we weren't supposed to be anything, you know, everybody doubted us, but we, we almost made it to the tournament. I want to say, and, but that was, that was a great year. No one really, and, oh, and we had like, we had walk on, we had like 20 walk-ons on the team and our walk-ons were ballers. Like they, they were just kids like you, just Oregon kids who loved Oregon State, who never thought they would get there, and they got lucky, whereas we only had six scholarships, <laughs> six or seven scholarship players. And so Coach had walk-ons, and I think he offered pizza if you want it after, the, after your walk-on tryout or something. Just come in and try to be a beef, and we ended up getting some great players. I was just texting with Dylan Livesey and A.J. Hedgecock the other day. Rifle. That- I told Rifle, I said, Rifle, hey, man, that's Dylan. Wait, that's Dylan. Yeah, that's Dylan, right? Uh, I just call him Rifle, so I don't even know his name. But uh, Rifle's a beast. Rifle's a beast. Wilsonville's finest, man. Yes. And, uh, AJ, I remember AJ. AJ. AJ's good, too, man. I, I love those guys. Tell me a little bit about stuff also off the court. You're coming from California, Bay Area, and – Tell me about how, how much your family supported you. You got adopted at birth. You got a twin brother, and you got adopted into a single-parent household. How much did mm-hmm. your mom 
your biological brother and your whole family situation support you? Was it a, a easy situation growing up? Was there difficulties and you had to overcome them? I mean, tell me a little bit about the first 18 years before you even put on an Oregon State uniform. Yeah, so from the Bay Area, kind of was born in Miami. And uh, like you said, adopted at birth. To my mom, she's uh, her name is Dale Morris, and she's just she's amazing, you know. And uh, I mean, to be honest, it I, I didn't necessarily there wasn't really a um, like a switch, like you know what I mean. It was just kind of that was my family, and that's just how I known it, you know. And the, you know they were great, you know. I have an older brother named Miles who was biological to to my adopted mom, and he's like he's the father figure of, of my household growing up so he was kind of like the father that I never had but he was still like my big brother as well and then I have a twin brother as well he's he's a teacher in San Francisco so I mean everybody he went to Georgetown when I was at uh, Oregon State I mean not Georgetown he went to American in DC while I was at Oregon State and he was super supportive and you know we're just a we're just a very tight family you know and I mean even when it comes to to my biological mother we're extremely close as well and so I got to, I still, she's still in my life. So it's, she's amazing. You know, everybody's a great family support system. And we thought it would be good for me to go down to Corvallis. And the reason why Corvallis is because uh, at that time it was the Craig Robinson area. And that was like, well, his sister is Michelle Obama and his brother-in-law is Barack. So it was kind of like a no brainer. And uh, so that was a crazy part of my life, you know, being recruited with all that going on and, you know, mom basically said I was crazy if, if I wasn't gonna if I wasn't gonna take that rest of history. It seems like you've got, although it's weird on paper, you know, adoption is it's something that it could be a great situation. It could be a lot of adversity. It seems like it's yeah. about it's worked out about as well as it could for you to have. I mean, both yeah, we we definitely did it the right way. I mean, props to both both sides of the family. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just being able to most people don't get that relationship with their biological mom, so it's not like. I'm going on a quest to find my mom, like, you know what I mean? Which is, which is like, which is all perfectly fine. But I, I it's definitely a weird, not a weird situation, but it's definitely a crazy situation because I have so much family now, you know, and that's not a bad thing to have. You brought up Craig Robinson. You've got an interesting career where you played half of your career for Craig and you played half for Wayne, two years of each. So when you think mm-hmm. back to the, the first half of your time at Oregon State and the latter half, how different were those two, in part because of the head coaches you had? Yeah, I mean, it was complete polar opposites. And it was it was a crazy moment. It was a crazy time. And it was, I, I would, to be honest, I'm glad I, I had them both. So I got to learn so much from both of them because they're both completely different people. And they both run their programs completely different. They both, they're just different people. and it was definitely a crazy experience for me because I, so I did two with, with coach Rob at first, which was really Craig where, where, where he, where he's such a great coach and such a great role model is where it's off the court stuff, you know? So if it's, if it's life, life lessons, if it's discipline, if it's, you know, he had a lot of tough love, you know, he necessarily didn't do the coddle. I mean, he, well, he did more of the coddle thing cause he recruited me, but, uh, he was just more of the, more of a guy who I would look up to professionally off the court. You know, he was such a great, a great guy. I mean, you've spoke to him many of times. He's just like a, just, he's just a great guy, you know, whereas, and, and he focuses, he, he focuses a lot on, on uh, life skills. Whereas my next two years, we had coach Tinkle who didn't recruit me, who didn't necessarily 
felt the need to to get to that personal level, which was fine with with me. And he, because he was he was mostly about basketball, you know. Whereas Coach Rob was, I, I want to know who you are as a person. And Coach Rob was like more liberal, so to speak, you know. It was completely different. And Coach Rob had a had a, had a stature more of an elitist stature, where Coach Tinkle was more farm boy, Montana guy. Well, I think he's he's from like Spokane area, where it's like we're gonna be, we're gonna get grit, we're gonna get grimy. Whereas, uh, whereas Coach Craig was more like, here's a great story for you. So when we were with Coach Robinson, obviously he had security and everything because of because of his brother, for his brother-in-law and everything. But uh, I mean, every single road trip we were flying private. We're in the best hotels, room service, everything. Like, you know what I mean? Like 15 managers. And we sucked and we weren't a very good team, but, and we just had crazy talent just out of, out of no, out of just every single position. We had so much talent due to just because like he was coach Robinson was such a great recruiter and he would recruit the best guys. And when Tinkle came, he felt like we were soft. He felt like we were coddled or forced to be like, I don't even know what our record was, you know, because, and most of the teams didn't fly private, but we did. We were, we never they were in the hotels. We were in resorts everywhere we went just because of security measures. So it was a, it was a crazy situation. So when, when Tico came, we were busting down to Portland, go to any road trip. It, it was just a crazy situation. And we would like, he would give us per diem and our per diem would just barely get us the meals that we wanted. But it was, I mean, he did that all on purpose. You know, he wanted to harden us up and, and I get it. And he didn't feel like we necessarily deserved it. And we probably didn't as well. So it that, that was just like, a crazy situation for us, but that's just that's just how Tinker rolls. And and now they're back flying private and doing all that fly stuff anymore. But but uh, he had to he had to kind of build that, you know. When's the last time that you talked to Craig? Oh man, I I try to talk. I mean, me and him, we try to talk. You know, just here and there, as far as um like on social media and stuff like that. But uh, last time I, we had a a, a, a longer talk was uh probably at summer league two years ago and i think now he's still doing front office stuff so uh, at the time he was doing a lot of stuff with the nba players association and so during the summer league what they do for every team i was on the blazers at that time for every team they kind of go through financial literacy just everything off the course stuff, exactly just the stuff that he's great at you know that's what he was doing for the nba and so it was. It was full circle. I was. I was at the. Bla- I was with the Blazers at the time in the summer league, and we had probably about a two-hour class in the Aria, and it was in the ballroom, and it was me and my team and all of our teammates, and he was just going over just stuff on, like, how to save money, when to invest, and all that kind of good stuff. And uh, so we got to really talk for an extended time. It seems like Craig Robinson has a lot of great qualities, but maybe head coach was an area that wasn't wasn't his best fit because of all it yeah. didn't emphasize too much for a head coach and what he excelled at maybe or was a different role no that's definitely fair um he had the talent you know he just couldn't necessarily put it all together and you know he's a Princeton guy and he he's used to a different style of basketball and that style of basketball I don't think it um resonated with our with our group and with our talents I don't know we I think we needed to play faster I think we needed to 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 be more of a of a of a team that got up and down more than a team that just played. Even though he had some great, he we had some great moments with Craig, and you can see it. But it was a mixture from his team not fully buying in to what he wanted to do. And I understood like he wanted to slow it down and he wanted to do bad cuts when everything went. 
we're all just like, yo, can we just pass the ball and I can just get the bucket? You know what I mean? But uh, so it was a, it was a lot of it was a lot of friction. When we did buy in, we we started to win. When we didn't, we went our way, and Jared was just balling. We also won at that. You know what I mean? So it was just kind of like it was back and forth, and we definitely didn't get to the middle yet. Let's go the rest of the way with your story and what you've done since leaving Oregon State and kind of get your life story. And then I'll come back and just ask a bunch about uh, your final two years, the NCAA tournament run, and a lot of those favorite memories. For you, once you left Corvallis, you spent some time, some stuff with 2K. Tell me what you were doing, motion capture stuff there. Was that just a side gig or what were you doing with 2K? And then how did you end up at Adidas? Yeah, so like, so after college, I needed to get some money. I needed to figure out what I wanted to do. And I know I was in the process of basically of working out, trying to figure out what was next for my career. I know I wanted to play. And being in the Bay Area, when I first came out, I was doing a bunch of work with 2K for motion capture. I was the guy was, they put me in a suit and they'd basically just, they'd film me do certain movements for the video game. And uh, yes, I've been credited in every game since 2014 and they still use a bunch of my movements. And people always ask like, oh, what are you doing? Like, I was doing none of, the, none of the cool shit that you guys, <laughs> I wasn't doing any of that. I mean, I was doing some of it, but like, you know, just stuff, they were like, foul, you know what I mean? And it, I mean, it was, it was high, it was, it was hard. It was way harder than what I thought. But uh, they liked me a lot just because I was I was that six four six five guy. So you can make me into a big man, or you can make me into a smaller guard. So I was in the middle. I was athletic. I, I worked hard. So, and it was basically. I mean, it was tough. But and the reason why I said it was tough is because it, you have to go game speed for everything. You know, they constantly say like, imagine this is this is game seven in the finals, and you're playing video games. You don't want your guy to be lazy. You know, you never want your guys to you know, be half speed. So everything was full speed. And if it was just like, so I'll be doing stuff like layups and like, like hard, tough layups, getting fouled. I won't claim the fame where like, where injuries, I did, I did mostly, I did a lot of the injury motions and then, but you can, you can see the elevation of the game where later on in, in my 2K motion capture career, I did a lot of celebrations. If it's, if it's shaking hands and like you just the amount of work that goes into a game like 2k is ridiculous and those guys do a really good job yeah i probably did that for about three or four years just going on and off it wasn't a full a full-time gig but it was it was just part-time but anytime i can just make a few extra money especially 2k money they, they play pretty well seems like they need a lot of footage where you got the suit on and they want as much stuff as they can get to make the game as realistic and the motions of players yeah. running into each other and the animation of a guy going up for a layup or getting exactly. injured like you if it's like right hand layup i gotta do the right hand layup seven different times for seven different camera angles or if i or there's a right dribble they gotta do that right dribble from seven different because the camera's gonna go around because you have to be able to have full control of your player so if you want to do this move you want to be able to do that move for every single every single area on the analog stick so it was tough so it would be stuff like I mean there was times I there's times I'd spend full days playing bad defense and that's as easy as it sounds it's extremely hard to play bad defense for eight hours you know there's like imagine my player was a your defense is a is a 59 you know what I mean so I'm trying and that and that's not and that's not fun you know that's so weird because every time you play in, in college, your coach is coaching you up to play good defense. And now you're being play good told defense, right. play bad defense. It's like play bad defense. So <laughs> you ever play 2K against Stanley or whoever and you realize, wait a minute, that's me. I can tell that animation. Yeah, I did a bunch that. of times. 
a bunch of times. I, I do that a lot because what they do is like they'll they'll cycle through probably 20, 25 guys. They'll have to do the same one and whoever's the best, they'll take. You know what I mean? So that's gonna be move. Although they'll take six of them. So there's six right, six different kind of jab dribbles, you know? And I've done that a lot. I mean, it, it's pretty hard to tell, especially in the game, but where it's really easy to tell is where you, when you go to when you're like creating a player and you're picking a jump shot. It's like my jump shots on there. Like, you know, you I can kind of see little things or like, of course, the easiest one is like celebrations because, you know, you're the only one that did that celebration. And so, I mean, stuff like that. Or if it's like group stuff, group stuff is my favorite. We'll have five guys and we'll have like the celebrations there or when you're picking a when you're when you're in the park and you see the guy standing, I could tell like that's like my boy who I was doing this. So I did guys like uh remember Dominic Artist that went to Oregon? Yeah. So he was doing it with me. So I've seen a couple we have a couple of like of duo stuff that I'm okay, that's me and Dominic. And that was probably 2014 and they'll still reuse it, you know? <laughs> I'll still see I'll still see us. Yeah. I was gonna ask if there's any other well known guys who they use in those motion captures. Oh stuff, yeah, but... no, they got a lot of guys. I mean and us guys like that, that that aren't in the NBA, mostly your stars, mostly your your icon guys. So Damian Lillard, that's really Damian Lillard. But they'll have Damian Lillard in there for two, maybe maybe an hour of getting just his good stuff. You know what I mean? So all the other stuff that they can't get, they'll, they'll, they'll rely on on guys. And it's in the Bay Area, so it's a great place to be able to get like overseas guys like lower caliber lower caliber pro guys like us you know to get us down there and it's it, it's easy no pay and then we'll go down and we'll be down there all day or sometimes we'll do three days where they'll get us hotels and we'll just be chilling down there for the whole days yeah now tell me a little bit about how you ended up at adidas and what your job looks like there what you're passionate about professionally what you're doing these days man so it was it was it was a crazy ride to get where i'm at right now just because of just everything happening after college I graduated and I wanted to keep playing so kept playing kind of played uh in various places if it was the G League so my first job was the G League out of uh playing for the Northern Arizona Suns so that was the Suns organization so I was living in Phoenix for a while it was back and forth from like different type of things so I got to play with a bunch of great players there and I after that I was like I wanted to go in um and, and play overseas and so Ended up going and playing with uh, playing in, in Sweden, which was a great situation for me. I was in a great city. I was in Stockholm, so everybody spoke English. It was a, it was a great time for me. Actually, since you're a Beaver guy, so RGM there was remember Char Charlie Barton. Oh yeah, I'm a, I was thinking about him the other day actually. Yeah, so Charlie Barton, his dad was our coach slash GM, so he had like a Doc Rivers role with that team, and. It's just crazy how things happened, but it, it, he happened to be the coach. So we had a relationship there. And then he's sweet. I mean, he, uh, he's from Cleveland, but obviously he's Charlie Swedish. And so he did the same thing that what I did. He went to Sweden, played, met his wife, and the rest is history. And now he's just a, he's a coach for, uh, for a team out in Sweden. And I ended up playing for him. And uh, I had a pretty good year, was able to, to develop a, a consistent jump shot. Uh, I, I got first team out there and I, I came back to the States and ended up uh, getting picked up by, by, by the Blazers, by the Portland Trailblazers for summer league. So you go out, so you have the summer league that you guys all see in Vegas, but you're out there for a solid month training, doing practices, like really 
trying to like, and that's the part that really matters. The summer league is cool and everything, but it's the training stuff, that's what the GMC, that's where everybody sees you. I think it was probably the second or third day I realized I am not an NBA player. And it was a, it was probably the best feeling of my life just to kind of just, just to, just to feel that, you know, and I'm a guy, like I always kind of said, like I, I was never a, a ball is life kind of guy. Like, you know, I was, I was, I was a guy that loved ball. I loved being around. I enjoyed what basketball brought me and I'm, I enjoyed everything, but like, I was interested, I was interested in so many other things, podcasting, uh, if it was video games, if it's clothes, if it's, you know, so I was kind of like a more of a, a well-rounded, well-rounded guy who played ball. I wasn't a, I didn't necessarily call myself a basketball player, you know? So I did that. Mind you, I'm a basketball player whose whole dream was to play in the NBA. That's what you wanted to do. And that was my goal to play in the NBA. I get in the NBA gym and do a couple practices, but I was looking at guys like, you know, like Jake Lehman and, you know, Anthony Simmons and those kind of guys. And I was like, okay, like those are the guy and those guys were just so much better than me. And so it was a great feeling because, and I, I'm not coming, and I wasn't a sore thumb at all. Like I, I give those guys buckets any day of the week, but just the consistent grind of like being a pro, those guys had it and I didn't. And I realized that pretty quick. And uh, so like I instantly started, I instantly started like thinking what I wanted to do. I know I wanted to be around the game. I was actually getting taped. I'll never forget this. I was getting taped and I was like, yo, what do you do? You know, talking about the trainer. And I was like, just looking around front office guys. And I was like, man, do I want to do that? Do I want to do something? And uh, yeah, so I was just kind of thinking about stuff I wanted to do within basketball because I had no idea. I would never even thought about other stuff I wanted to do other than play basketball. And at the time I was about 23 and pretty young, relatively young. And uh, I, I figured out, I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna play for about two more years and then I wanna start to get into something. And I, I didn't know what that was at the time. So Summer League happened. It was all, uh, Summer League happened. We ended up winning the championship that year. It's pretty much my claim if I'm an NBA champ. But, <laughs> but, but even if it was Summer League, I was super proud of that. After Summer League ended, they're like, man, so where do you want to go? Like, we'll fly you anywhere. Do you want to go back home? Do you want to do that? And I'm just like, you know what? I think I'm going to stay here. My girlfriend, like I said, my girlfriend at the time was here. I was like, you know what? Save the ticket. I just want to chill here. So that was my, that was my thing. I was going to stick around, work out, and figure out what I wanted to do. Because I, I know people from Oregon State and people from Oregon. I know a lot of, like, just, like, guys, like, like Gary, uh, like Gary Payton is second. So I knew a lot of like NBA guys, Eric Morgan, all those guys. So I was just kind of like hitting everybody up like, hey, like you're signed to Nike. Like who's your Nike person? I want to meet with them. And like, you know what I mean? So that was my thing. I was just trying to meet with people, meet people, figure out what I wanted to do, play for two more years while my price was at the highest. I ended up just meeting a bunch of people, you know, like one person led to the next person, led to the next person. And my my resume probably didn't look like a lot of the a lot of my coworkers, you know. And what I mean by that is like you know those guys had internships and all that stuff, and I was just I was playing basketball, you know. And uh, so I didn't have the the sexy education of like oh I was in marketing and you know I I graduated with HDFS like most of all the athletes, and so I knew if I wanted to take this job serious, I had to be present for these people to kind of feel me, you know. That's what I did. I tried to I tried to be the most mixiest person in Portland when it came to like work stuff. And the good thing about it is I wasn't looking for a job. I just wanted to know what I wanted to do. So I so I would just like do coffee chats and 
and have dinner and lunch with just a bunch of people that I knew were in the industry. And I'll just ask them like, so what do you do? How do you like it? And stuff like that. And it was a little weird for them because I wasn't sitting across that table asking them for a job. I'd literally be like, oh, what do you do? Oh, they'll be like, yeah, I work at Patagonia. I do digital. I'd be like, oh, cool. I'm not interested in that, but thank you. You know, but now I'll try to basically, I try to ask them exactly what they did. And, you know, I loved it, but most of the time I didn't really, I didn't really like it. I just wanted to know what they did. And so that I think that was refreshing for them too, because it's not like I needed a job. And so I was looking between a bunch of teams, if it was in Italy or anything like that. And I ended up meeting a bunch of people um, at Adidas. And I know I wanted to be, after making those connections, I knew I wanted to be sports marketing. Sports marketing is basically somebody who's the face of the brand with the players, or we call them assets, but we're the direct, we're the direct contact for them. I ended up just meeting a bunch of people, and they're like, yo, we actually have a spot opening. Would you like to go for it? I'm like, whoa. I don't necessarily know what, I'm, what I want to do. I'm supposed to be going overseas, but... But at the time, they're like, no, like, we really, I think this would be a good position for you. and It would be a good starting point for you. And we think you'd be great. And and we wanted to uh, extend the job offer for you. And I was just kind of just out of nowhere. I was like, wow, like, that's a lot. But uh, I wanted to play. So I kind of went back and forth. I slept on it. And it was the job. So my job now is, uh, so I, I work with the grassroots. So I guess you can say my job is to work with the with the kids build relationships with the kid and hopefully when the time comes they can they can be an adidas signed athlete so so that's my job and i know that was kind of a run on but that's that's my story man no that's that's exactly what i wanted to hear it seems like so much of your life has been things you couldn't control things that just kind of happen one thing after another and you put yourself out there so it was a lot of it of you being open and Mm -hmm. and ready for whatever came to you so now when you say you're working with the kids and hopefully eventually they'll sign up with Adidas, are you talking like prop, like high school kids who are going to be the college star where everyone's yeah. going to get at them? Yep. So, so yeah, so I work for that 1% kind of kid and that's half of my job is working with those guys. So think of the guys like the Damian Lillards of the world and the, and the, the James Hardens. We're, we're talking that caliber player in high school. So that's basically we got to pinpoint who those who those kids are, build relationships, and hopefully when the time is right, they'll be Adidas athletes. They'll, they'll be so comfortable with Adidas, with the brand. They'll know all of us that it's like, of course, I'm, I'm going to sign with Adidas. And mm-hmm. so it's a definitely, it's a weird job, you know, and there's been a lot of stuff going on with the, you know, FBI and all that kind of stuff that happened in the past. And we're doing things the right way now. We have, we have new management and everything. And we have a new team, obviously, people like me. I think we're going in the right direction. So, so we're getting back into space and uh, after all of that. But what's another thing, what's probably the best part of my job is I also help with, uh, with Legacy, Adidas Legacy. And Adidas Legacy is it's 11 schools. It started in LA. It was a time when we were just like, man, what about the kids who, who don't get that support, you know? So nowadays, as you probably know, if you're, if you're a big time basketball player, you're probably going to the big time basketball school in whatever that area is. If it's not in your area, you're going to Fenway Prep. You're going to Prolific Prep. You know, those, you're going to those type of things. Schools who don't get that love. So if you're talking schools like Conference Centennial, Dominguez Hills, those kind of schools. So we're in Watts, we're in, we're in Compton, we're in South Central, we're in those type of schools. 
And those are the schools who are kind of forgotten about. Those are the teams and those are the schools that our brands don't necessarily want to go because it doesn't make any sense. They don't have the D1 players. We thought from a community aspect, like, those are the type of schools that we want that we want to also work with. So we put them in a, in a, in a, in a, in a platform by Adidas is called Legacy. And what we're doing with Legacy is, okay, yes, the, the kids are going to get geared out. They'll have the best gear. They'll be treated like, they'll be treated like a James Harden. They'll be geared out like James Harden. But, uh, but also we want to give them touch points with the brand. So if that, that's stuff that has nothing to do with basketball. So if it's career days, if it's, if it's like getting them all together and and uh, and and like feeding them and like just giving them other stuff than basketball, you know, and that's probably the best part of my job is working with those kids because those kids, okay, I can, we can send, we can send Jalen Green fifteen pairs of shoes in one day, right? And he'll get them. He'll just and he'll say, you know, thank you, and he'll maybe wear them. Now you give it that to a legacy kid. They're like, you give one shoe to a legacy kid. They're like, wow. You know what I mean? And that's just, that's the best part of my job. I feel like working with Legacy. Yeah. That seems rewarding. You're, you're helping out kids, giving them a memory of something mm-hmm. special. How do you reach out, especially the first part of your job, more the grassroots style? How are you reaching out? Are you sliding into DMs and, and making contacts with these kids? Or how are you making uh, Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's been a, it's it's a crazy world, man, to be honest. Like, especially that it's, we're trying to get creative. You know, you have to work within within uh, the NCAA guidelines because these kids are all be going to college. Well, now they're not even going to college anymore. These kids are going straight to the to the G League now and all that stuff, all the different options going overseas. But, yeah, it's a lot of that, man. It's a lot of, like, DM sliding. It's a lot of – and not necessarily I'm, I'm, I'm there yet, but uh, we'll work with guys and how we – build a relationship is always through the AAU team, you know, also the AAU director. So we'll sponsor the teams is like Compton Magic, Indiana Elite, um, those type of upper echelon AAU teams. So we'll sponsor them. They got the kids. So we we leave it up to the directors to kind of funnel that communication, especially when they're super young. So guys like Mikey Williams, who are, who's barely out, barely in high school, you know what I mean? So guys like that, we don't necessarily touch right when they get older, but, uh, yeah, so we'll funnel it through through the directors, and uh, you know, and those and those teams are fully sponsored by us, fully taken care of. I've got a fashion question. I've I've wanted to ask you this for a little while mm-hmm. because now that you're working for a clothing company, albeit mm-hmm. not you know as a designer or anything, but still yeah. you're working for Adidas. I've noticed that the trend in basketball fashion has gone from baggy shorts to now above the knee tighter I mean LeBron, look at LeBron shorts like he shows the compression shorts underneath his shorts sometimes now but it seemed like you were a little bit ahead of the curve there when you were I always State. had it I've always had the short shorts yeah, yeah I like it I like that that's crazy that you remember that because I was just about to say that I used to get a lot of flack and I remember going on Twitter and people were like oh the shorts short enough and I used to be like and I it, they weren't crazy short like I've seen some crazy like the kids are crazy now they're short short like they might as well just have some spandex on or something, but I don't know if I'm if I'm that if I'm that. But I always had the short shorts. But uh, yeah, I like to say I've, I was always ahead of the game or something like that. I mean, I remember I was the first one that I remember wearing uh, quarter socks. You know, I remember quarter socks were was kind of not was in this style. It was always the long tube socks and to have those with the you know with the elite sock lines. And I I was the first. I remember not you know just kind of just doing stuff like that and try to wear different shoes. That's another thing, like with Coach Rob and Coach Tinkle. Coach Rob would let you have your personality on the court. I used to try to rock the craziest shoes. When Tinkle came, he was like, yo, 
everybody's wearing the same shoes. Every like, you know, he was kind of, and you could tell by the way we played too that that like that stuff mattered and that mattered to him. But yeah, I tried. I tried to be in head of that stuff. I tried to. People don't know. I mean, I mean, people know. If you know, you know. Like I've been doing the guitar. You know, the, the story behind that is I was doing. They used to call me Guitar Hero because I used to play Guitar Hero. Like I said, I was I was always playing video games and stuff. So I was always, I was on Guitar Hero when I played a uh, Guitar Hero and I would go play real basketball. That was like me playing Guitar Hero because that was in the, the eighth grade, seventh grade. So every time I make a three, I play the Guitar Hero. Yeah, I ended up just keeping that through college. Now it's taken a world on its own, and I, I mean I love it. I love it. I mean I don't need the credit, but if you know, you know. My lasting impression of Langston Morris Walker will always be slightly shorter shorts and strumming the guitar. And you hit 93 pointers in your career and you, you strum that guitar. That was your signature move. And I love yeah, that. Yeah, that was my signature, man. And like you said, and it's easy because it's not like I'm like Bob Cousy or something where you can't see any film. If you really wanted to know, you can ask, you can ask God, you can ask Josh, you know what I mean? Like where, where'd that come from? So like Lance took it and I seen like everybody's taking it, which, which is dope. I love it. it was, who's Lance doing the guitar strum and stealing Lance it from Stevenson. It. He was the first dude on a big scale besides me on TNT strumming the guitar. He on the Pacers? My, on the Pacers. Yeah, have you talked with him? Did he admit? Oh, I haven't I stole talked to him. I, I, pretty soon I'm going to pull up on him and be like, man, you got that from me. But he didn't get it from probably. He didn't get it from me. So I remember everybody started doing it. And it, I mean, I remember because in high school we had a pretty, uh, we had crazy mixtapes, you know, and that was the mixtape era. Yeah, now it's the live era, but we were, I was the mixtape era. So we had a bunch of crazy mixtapes. So then I just all of a sudden, sudden seen guys with a bunch of mixtapes just started strumming the guitar after threes. And it's dope. You know, I thought it was a dope dance. It's on 2K. Like, you know what I mean? I thought they gave it to 2K. And so, but, but it's dope, though. I always really like talking with Langston. He's such an ebullient and fun guy to have a conversation with. I always appreciate also his willingness to say, I'm not a ball is life guy or a guy that you know idolizes basketball. I'm always on the grind, always playing because basketball does end one day. And the more emphasis you put in basketball and basketball only, perhaps the less prepared you'll be when life after basketball happens. And the fact that Langston did have a bit of foresight and realization of that, I think led to some success afterwards where he just started meeting with people and asking, what do you do for a job and how can I get connected? And ultimately it's led to some opportunities. And I have a feeling that he's going to make some more interesting stories along the way. He's only a few years removed from his Oregon State career and recently finished with his professional basketball career. So fun to chat with Langston and see how he's in a developmental process currently as a person. I appreciate you listening to this episode of the Beaver Tales podcast, and you have my utmost gratitude if you share it even with one person, any Beaver fan who may want to know where do these Oregon State athletes end up and who have they become. It's fun to make them, and I hope you're enjoying the Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Warden, and don't forget these two words, go Beavers.